Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Monday on Sports Radio 960 AM. Excuse me, WSBT. Brian Driscoll with me right now from irishbreakdown.com. Feeling better today, my friend? You know, I was feeling really bad until you started playing that CBS intro music <laughs> for college football, and all of a sudden, like, my nerve passages, you know, cleared up. I got all this second bolt of energy. I told you, man, that song does it for me. That's it right. does it for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Boop. Okay, there we go. Um, well, let's let's start with, with the bad news first. Joe Wilkins, going to be uh, out for the rest of the spring with the foot injury. Lease Frank and, you know, broken bone in his foot. Not a big deal for the spring, but it's the same kind of injury that really hampered Kevin Austin a couple of seasons ago when you know he injured his in fall training camp, obviously. So how how big a deal do you think this is right now for the Irish? Unfortunately, I think it's a very big deal, and the reason I say that is is because I I think Kevin's one of those, or excuse me, Joe's one of those guys that you know, provides a lot of veteran leadership and, and there's a lot of value that he, he bring to the table, but he's not necessarily a guy that you would call like an explosive athlete. And the, and the reason that matters is because a foot injury at this stage in the season doesn't mean he's not going to be, you know, healthy enough to play, but it does raise doubts about will he be full speed. And a player like him who's not necessarily like that elite athlete type of guy yeah. can't afford to necessarily lose a step if that are, was the case. And so that's what makes me a little bit nervous about it is I know he'll be back for the fall, but, you know, wh- where will he be when he gets back in the fall? And that's the bigger thing. And then, of course, just anyone that knows Joe, you don't have to spend very long, very much time at all around Joe Wilkins to really just, man, this is a good kid, you know, and yeah. you just hate to hate to see that happen to anybody, but it stings a little bit more when you know what he's had to overcome and, and work through to get to this level. It just – makes it an even bigger bummer. Is there anyone, you know, when, when you look at this group right now, anyone maybe is going to benefit, you know, just from having the rest of the spring, getting more reps, or is it, you know, is it almost like, man, you don't want to, like, <laughs> you don't want to wear these guys out because of the fact that you've got so few scholarship guys out there right now? Well, you remember, we didn't know that until spring started, we didn't think Joe was even going to be out there in the spring that's true and not not that not that he came back faster just there was uncertainty we weren't told and you know because he got hurt in 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 october there was questions well you know with with the knee would he be would he even be back in the spring and i actually was working with the assumption he would not be back with the team for the spring and so at that time it's kind of like they're gonna go 15 practices with this limited number of scholarships well he was able to make it to almost half of the practices which meant he got some work and then, you know, took some of that burden off of the younger players. Well, now you kind of go into these last six, seven practices and you say, you know, now you can maybe ramp it up a little bit with a Deion Coles, you know, Lorenzo Styles, and just see, you know, how much you can get out of those kids and how much you can push them because 
if Joe is is not going to be 100%, and again, if that's at all a possibility, you have to prepare like it is, mm-hmm. that puts even more on Deion Colsey's shoulders, you know, because Joe would kind of maybe be one of those boundary type of guys. And so I think this puts even more on him and just, you know, it's even more important that Coach Stuckey really work with Dion to get him ready to go. And it, I found it fascinating that, you know, I asked Coach Stuckey a question on Saturday because he has talked a lot about wanting to get like a diverse group of players, you know, not everybody to be the same skill with skills that was kind of one of my beefs that I had with the previous coach. And, you know, I said, but I also know as a former receivers coach, it's not easy to, you know, coach Dion Colsey at the same time you're coaching Avery Davis because their skill sets are going to be so different. Right. It can be a challenge. And, and it was interesting. I asked him broadly, you know, how do you handle all those? And he immediately went to coaching Dion. And, and how he works with Dion and the different things in the you and you could just kind of tell at least maybe I'm reading more into this than I should but it seemed to me like when he thinks I got to really work with a guy Dion was the name he went to which tells me he's kind of already taken that Dion Colsey approach of we've got to get that kid ready because he brings something different that the rest of our guys just don't have do you see any way or, or are you hearing anything right now as far as grad transfer market, you know, that kind of thing? It seems like they've got to add at least one, if not two, at this point, just because of well, everything they, we're talking been, about. They've been, yeah, they've been looking. Uh, it's just, you know, how it is, is with the transfer thing, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging thing. And the other, yeah. the other problem they have too, Sean, is it's not just as simple as calling up a kid and saying, hey, do you want to come play for us? There's lots of kids in the transfer portal that would love to come to Notre Dame. It's A, is the kid good enough to help you? And B, can you get to, get him into school? The guys that you would really want that can really help you may not want to come to Notre Dame because of the guys we do talk about. Like, okay, I'm going to come, but you're not going to promise me playing time because you've got Brayden Lindsey and Lorenzo Styles and right. Andrew Davis and Deion Colsey and, and Jaden Thomas and, and Tobias Merriweather and potentially Joe Wilkins. Like, there's no promise of playing time there. And that when you're a grad transfer especially – that is the one time I've always said that athletes need to be their most selfish because you get one crack at this really, yeah. you know, and you've got to get True. this one right. And so you do need to take into account, like, not that you're afraid of competition, but you also have to be smart and say, that's not necessarily an opportunity where I could go to this other school that's maybe not as big as Notre Dame or as talented there, and I can be the guy. That's not going to, there's, there's not a whole lot of receivers out there that can just come to Notre Dame and say, you're the guy, you know, with the talent they do have. Right. And I think that, that adds to the challenge of being able to convince someone that's good enough at that position to actually help you, not just be a body. Cause if you just want bodies, you know, of decent players, you've got a couple good walk-ons in Connor Radigan and Matt Salerno. I mean, sure. I mean, Sean, you've seen Connor Radigan play in high school. That's a good football player. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's not necessarily a guy that's going to be a, you know, Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey, but if it's just about depth, you know, are, he may be as good as some of the guys that might come in as a grad transfer. So I think that's really the thing to it. But it's mainly just about, look, get the guys healthy, you know, get D- Tobias Merriweather here, get Deion Colsey ready, get Avery Davis back. And I'm going to continue to bang on this drum. As long as Xavier Watts is not one of the top three safeties, you need to look at him as potentially being that guy. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. It's a very good point since that's where he came from <laughs> That's <year>. right. <laughs> Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. So Saturday after practice, Marcus Freeman said that they are going back to the tradition of pregame mass for home games at the Basilica. So I'm curious, one, what you think, and two, since you guys with your podcasts and all that stuff, it's very interactive, you know, and all that. I don't know how much you've done 
since then. But you know, have you got much feedback from from fans and the like on what they think about this as well? We talked a lot about Marcus Freeman embracing Notre Dame in today's show, and that's really what it boils down to. It's I don't think people necessarily care as much about that they're coming back from the Basilica as much as why. And what I mean by that is it's not necessarily that, you know, gee, they won championships under Lou Holtz and Eric Parsegian and Frank Leahy because they walked from the Basilica to the stadium. You know what I mean? It's more about just another example of the fact that Marcus Freeman has so fully embraced Notre Dame's tradition. And the reason behind it was that was impactful to him when he visited as a prospect, like, wait a minute, that's like one of the coolest things that I remember about Notre Dame when I came as on a visit as a student athlete, because he was recruited by Notre Dame. And it was the, it was behind like him, his, his co- complete embracement of the, the, Notre Dame is a different place. And, and instead of talking about what makes Notre Dame different or quote unquote harder, as if it's a, a stumbling block, we're going to embrace those things. And we're going to come back and say, this is what makes us special. This is what makes us better. And, you know, those are the things that, that I find uh, that I found really fascinating about um, just about this decision, because it's just on top of a, de- a decision after decision after decision. Yeah. And I mean, I I get it. And, and just what you said, they won. OK, so they won championships back when Holtz and Percy and all that. But they also won a lot of recent games just from a time management issue where you're not, you know, that, that hour and a half or whatever that is, that is devoted to that. That was, I think that was, you know, part of Brian Kelly's rationale for, for moving away from that. And they, you know, they won a lot of games the last few years. You know, that we talked about that during our show today too. And, and it, you know, people say, we know, Brian Kelly won more games than any coach in Notre Dame history. We also lost more games than any, any coach in Notre Dame history. It's a longevity thing. And, you know, you look at all the wins they had, they went 11 and two this year. Do you know how many teams they beat that finished the year ranked in the top 25? Zero. None. Not a single team. In but, but none of them were they, going to mass for an hour and a half before their games either. So, But Notre Dame isn't losing to those teams <laughs> because they didn't go to mass, or you know, if they'd have gone to mass, right? I mean, they happened to win a championship under Lou Holtz when they were doing that, right? Like, I think it's some of the things that Brian Kelly did. It's kind of like, wait a minute, that, that, you're really going to say that's like a strategy? For me, it always felt with Brian Kelly like he was just trying to change the traditions, and just make it about, you know, what he felt it should be about and kind of reshaping the program and his image. And, you know, like it or not, that's fine. He has a right to do that because he's the head coach, right? Sure. And he can kind of do whatever he wants. I think for me, it just comes back to, you know, I, I don't see any inherent advantage to doing it the way Brian Kelly did it. I don't see any inherent advantage to doing it the way that Marcus Freeman's going to do it. It's it's not necessarily about that, where you come from. It's the It's the bigger picture of what that signifies, and, and it goes much beyond where they, you know, where team mass is or where they walk from. It's just, it's more about the reasons why. That's why I said, the, I wrote an article today and I said, you know, Marcus Freeman's going to win at Notre Dame, not because he has embraced the Notre Dame traditions. It's why he has embraced the Notre Dame traditions, because that's going to lead to, you know, A, B, C, and D, the things that I spelled on the article about. It's, it's, it's what's behind it, the value that is behind it that has caused him to, to, to embrace those things is the reason why I believe he's going to be successful here. So it's not necessarily, you know, leaving from the Basilica, like gives you, you know, like you're going to have this angelic, Super, you know, warriors yeah. coming with you to the stadium. <laughs> They're going to help, you know, like angels in the outfield kind of thing. Right. Remember that back in the day with, with Christopher Lloyd and uh, Tony Danza. Right. Uh, it's not that, right. It's not that Flap kind of your thing. Wings. It's, it's just exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not that 
It's just, you know, because that bleeds into everything else that he does and everything else that he embraces. It's why they're recruiting at an elite level in a way that we haven't seen Notre Dame recruit since Lou Holtz was here. It's why there's an energy around it. It's why there's, you know, there's there's Notre Dame alums that I've known that haven't been back to Notre Dame in years that can't wait to get back to campus. It's because they're seeing that there's finally a head coach at Notre Dame that really embraces what makes Notre Dame unique and isn't constantly using those things as a stumbling block or a or a justification for why they can't win. And I think that's what people are excited about. You know, by the way, speak you know, on the subject of alums, I, I talked to one this weekend and very, very excited about the uh, the new openness between the mm-hmm. head coach and the connection that, that he's having with the alums of the program, you know, f- football alums specifically, mm-hmm. obviously, where, you know, they're, I think these Zooms that they're doing, it's like become like a monthly thing now, you know, where, where they're getting all these guys on and just, you know, spitballing with the head coach. They all seem pretty excited about it. They are. They're fired up. And it's it's about, you know, it just seemed to them, like when I talk to, I mean, I've gotten this, I can't tell how many times I've gotten this. It just felt like, you know, when Brian Kelly would talk about Notre Dame the way he did, you know, and he would, he would almost, we, we were joking in our show today, like, you'd listen to Brian Kelly talk and it's like, dude, you're giving all this ammo to the teams trying to negatively recruit against you. Like, you're, you're embracing, like, you know, it's hard to go to school here and the weather stinks and we're far away. It's just like, like you know. This, but that's how great I am because I'm able to win in spite of all these things. And you know, the thing that made Coach Holtz unique is Coach Holtz. And this is what this is what I'm not telling. I'm not telling you this because I didn't cover Coach Lou Holtz, right? I'm telling you what I'm told by all the alums that played for him. Is like he would look at those things, and it was never an excuse. Like you remember when when Notre Dame lost to Miami and, and Stanford late in 2017, and Brian Case are talking about how how much travel they had, and you know they had finals and academic workload, and just. And, and just almost as an excuse for why they lost. And mm-hmm. they, they would say Lou Holtz would use those things as an excuse for why we were better than everybody else and why we would win every game because nobody was working as hard as we did. And it's about perspective. And when you view what makes Notre Dame unique as something to overcome, you're going to portray the institution in one way. But when you look at the things that make Notre Dame unique as special and things that are going to make you better and stronger, you're going to then be even more – willing to embrace the tradition that came before you. And Marcus Freeman is one of those guys that says, I'm, I'm standing on the shoulder of giants that have come before me. And they have the, the, the sacrifice they made is why I'm here where I am, where I kind of felt like the previous head coach kind of looked at like, you know, Notre Dame sort of owed him for his greatness. <laughs> and it's two completely different, you know, contrasts and, and personality, but it's also about, you know, it's going to make why they embrace Notre Dame in such a different fashion. Speaking of uh, giants and alums, we've uh, seen some of these uh, offensive linemen coming back. Quentin Nelson was back this weekend. Zach Martin was back, I think it was last week. It's a pretty big literal flex for uh, for old Harry Heastand out there. Yeah, Sam Mustafer was on campus (laughs) this weekend as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so and, and you're going to see more and more and more. They've already talked about the they're going to beat the lineman camp this summer. And yeah, you're, you're not joking, man. When you're like, oh, by the way, today at practice, Quentin Nelson's going to be helping us out. And oh, by the way, today, Zach Martin, one of the greatest guards that ever played the you know the, the game of football, is is going to be helping you guys out today. Oh, and by the way, a, a former third round draft pick. Uh, who was a three-year starter for us and on the 2012 team, oh, he's your graduate assistant coach, yeah. right? And Chris Watt, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it really is, but it's also great for the players because, you know, when 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 they're like, hey, look, you know, gee, this is hard and, and, and coach is always honest and demanding excellence and he's nothing's ever good enough and he's, you know, he's doing all these things, 
you get these guys to come back and say, man, these guys love this guy. Did he push you like he pushed me? And they're like, oh, yeah, man, trust me. And it's But here's why you need to – here's why it's good for you because look where I am, and Coach Eastan's role in that. And I think that's great for not just Coach Eastan, but it's great for the players because – and that's something that Marcus Freeman has embraced, right? Like, look, I don't. he said this. I don't want it to just be about, you know, using tradition as in like this, this thing you discuss. He goes, tradition is – you this is what he said to the players in that first zoom meeting that they made public accidentally that we got to watch before they took it down is it's not about the tradition isn't about these things it's about you you're the tradition i need you guys around the players and that's just a message they hadn't heard before and you can see them all just like you know so excited about it because they have a great love and passion for the for the school that they went to and you know that's why i quoted oscar mcbride and it's why i quoted tim priester from irish illustrated in my article today because they're both alums looking at it from a completely different point of view and alums can give a perspective that myself someone who was not an alum at notre dame or didn't play football at notre dame or baseball at notre dame didn't graduate from notre dame can't really grasp that i think fans need to understand as to why marcus freeman is being embraced in the manner that he is yeah, and by the way, th- that alum I was talking about that I talked to uh, said that <laughs> after that video was was uh, released and everyone got to see it, you know, the next meeting that they had, you know, it was like, uh, okay, guys, we're going to do this, but the next time one of these videos gets out, we're done, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, 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 because it's one of those yeah. things like, okay, you're using us as a prop. Like, yeah. that would be my concern is exactly. like, you know, you're doing this thing as a prop, you know. No, this is meant to be um, – you know, this is meant to be between us, and so I'm I'm actually glad that they took it down, and I'm glad the further ones haven't because that's there are some things. Like, and you've heard me say this about the locker room, right? Like, get cameras out of the locker room, like mm-hmm. before the game and at halftime, T- turn them off or get them out of the locker room because there needs to be a place that's just for them, that's right. just for the players and the coaches. And it's the same thing with these kind of things. Like, there's a space that you know we as the media don't necessarily have the right to be a part of, or that fans have to re- right to be a part of. And now we can see the byproducts of it, right? But there are some things that need to be about the players, the former players, the coaches. Right. Uh, and, and that's one of those things. What happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, absolutely. It doesn't yeah. mean like there's abuse going on. It just means to be. There are like, things hey, that don't, don't need somebody... to be out there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. What else is going on right now? Tons of recruiting. I, you know, I really believe we've kind of set the over/under at Irish Breakdown uh, at five and a half for the uh, number of commitments Notre Dame is going to get in the month of April, and uh, really curious to see how that plays out. But we're gonna we're gonna see recruiting is really gonna really take off here in the next month of April. Okay, sounds good. We'll be following that closely, of course. Brian Driscoll, we will uh, talk to you Wednesday. Looking forward to it. All right, as always, Brian Driscoll, Irish Breakdown. Com. A timeout. Bobby Hensley is going to be joining me here shortly. We've got an abbreviated rapid fire with Final Four coverage starting at 6.30 tonight. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 